0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast.
1: And I'm Pete Wright. And how heavy is Hulk?
0: (laughs) Today, we're talking about Minute 116, which begins with Tony complaining about the lack of invitation from Thor and ends with Nat needing a boost. Back on the show from a little while ago, we have Mike Ravagno from the Superhero Show Show. Mike, hello. Hello, Miniteers. So happy <laughs> to be back. Good to see you both. Oh, we are thrilled uh, to, to make sure that that continues. The, the Minutear
1: Club does gather. I'm glad to be a part of it.
2: If you hammer something in long enough, yeah. it just becomes you just have to commit. a trend.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, well, we chatted with you a few weeks back, right around uh, Coulson's sad demise. Yes. This is your next minute, and I wanted to check, what was the reason you picked this as one of your minutes?
2: My sense, because uh, now we're trying to, I mean, we scheduled this so long ago, yeah. is I bet, not that I don't like this minute, but I bet I thought we actually got to see Nat get boosted into the air. Because mm. what, what, what action move Blue Balls? Does that give us just like I need a boost like oh but no what what I do like about this minute is we go from one of the strongest Avengers uh to one of the most human Avengers and it just like what what beautiful geography and power scaling of each member still gets their time to shine here. Um, whether it is Hulk sprinting through the business office doing tons of structural damage himself. <laughs> Uh, and taking out one of the flying chatari things. And then I, what I, Nat is just breathing heavily. She, like, she's one of the few members who's just like, this is hard. Yeah, right, <laughs> Like, right. it's just her right. and Hawkeye who admit that things get tiring. Real talk, exactly. real talk
0: is Nat. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, and you know, Hawkeye's standing on a building corner. He's not exactly <laughs> winded <laughs> at this point. <laughs> uh,
1: this Hulk thing, I legitimately question this. It feels like. Unless Hulk's mass is significantly larger than I would have expected, given the fact that he's not constantly falling through floors, the propulsive uh, characteristics of the big worm are not that great. Like, it feels like it's just lucky to be in the air. (laughs) Yeah, it's... So, flying physics always makes me laugh,
2: because this is when people... It gets wonky, right? Because Hulk jumps and grabs its tooth and pulls down. And sure, it'll go down a little. Uh-huh. But then you can see him pulling against nothing against or nothing. even the worm itself. <laughs> and it'll go down. And anytime Superman's in a movie and he's flying, he always, like, stops and yanks. And it's like, where? what are
0: you yeah, yanking Where's the leverage? <laughs> right. That's I. That's what I wrote down. I'm like, so so. Hulk pulls the uh, I don't know the lip, the tooth, whatever it is that he grabs onto, and I'm like, okay. So if a mouse, let's just say a mouse grabbed onto your lip and pulled you, yeah, uh, would it move you in one direction or the other? If oh, if its only leverage was you, because it's like because Hulk has his feet firmly planted against the the Leviathan's uh, lip. But it's just like, well, then if anything, he's going to pull a tooth out, and that's pretty You're good right.
2: Stuff. And then stab it with it or something. Yeah, but I, I guess which if, would if we're, be
0: fine.
1: I would.
2: that be, be brutal. Fine yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, if we're gonna carry the a mouse is to us as Hulk is to the Leviathan analogy, then I guess I probably would like. So if a mouse jumped onto my lip and started yanking down. <laughs> I bet I would be so freaked out and grossed out that I would trip and fall into the ground because I'd just be like, ew, 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 ew. so, so maybe
1: the uh, the big worm is effectively ooh ooing its yeah. way. It's just like ooh, nasty, what is, <laughs> okay. like, what is this thing? It's I like what is this thing? Not a worm think, at all.
0: I like to yeah, right. I'd like to think that this, this worm is actually something disgusted. that is so disgusted by a Hulk. Hulk that yeah. it's doing everything it can to get it off its face. Yeah.
1: I but but I do think the question still stands is it possible that Hulk's mass is such that we have not anticipated just how just how like strong his pull is to the earth's surface.
2: Well, you know how in in tall tales, I don't know how familiar you guys were, I was obsessed with the tall American tall tales in in grade school, you know, Pecos Bill and and Paul Bunyan and such. Uh and Paul Bunyan, uh that of the the giant fame, he Range from like 12 feet to 100 feet tall,
0: depending on Mood. what the story needed. Right. <laughs> Big enough to make a bunch of lakes.
2: So maybe Hulk's mass is like that because he runs across an office building and does not
1: crash through that floor. You would expect him to just skate through floors successively toward the ground. Yes.
2: And so maybe as he jumps, he just goes like, more mass, more mass. <laughs> yeah. And
1: just he densifies.
0: densifies. He densifies. Although as soon as the as soon as we cut to the next shot where it shows the Leviathan, it does that you know fancy directorial snap zoom that we have several times actually in this minute. The Leviathan is now going the other way, so hmm. so then he's like reversed mass. I is yeah. that is maybe that's a technology he can change <laughs> his mass up and down to like confuse its, who he's fighting with. He can slightly control gravity. <laughs>
1: and yet we've never seen a movie where Hulk just floats a- across a major plaza, <laughs> just like a balloon. It feels like that's an underused
0: superpower of Hulk's. I-, I like to think, Pete, he actually was floating on the other side of the building, and but then he that's hit the building and just went there. through it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Well, we've solved that. Uh, yes. Um, Let's before we do, let's jump back a little bit. I don't know if there's anything we wanted to chat about as far as Iron Man. This is the close of the conversation that we had with Iron Man. He's been communicating with Hawkeye, who just kind of gave him the tip about they don't bank well. And he kind of led them all through the tunnels and crashed a bunch of uh, chariots. And now he's finding out that Thor is over on 6th. And uh, he didn't invite him, and he's off to... Help Thor, presumably. That's kind of where we leave that. Any bits? uh, I mean, as far as this kind of the way we're kind of setting up the team, uh, this is kind of our chance to have this conversation with you, Mike, as far as like, uh, you know, I mean, you were already talking about the different team members and everything. This is kind of we're seeing Hawkeye. He's up on the building corner taking out chitauri he's also kind of the the communications person who's kind of looking for any holes or shifts in what they're up to and then of course he's kind of guiding iron man through this whole bit i mean what do you how how do you like the way that they're kind of setting up the the way that the team is working together with moments like this
2: i i think it's so smart to to one use one of your non-powered people to be your eye in the sky but also his name is hawkeye like he's in theory, he has trained himself to see more, and he has shield <laughs> training, so he has like battle tactics in a way that Thor, Hulk, Iron Man do not. So I, I, I like that use of him a lot, and like finally getting Clint something to do here instead of being brainwashed all the time, right? So it's right. like, oh yeah, he's good at stuff. Sweet, uh, <laughs> I like that a lot. Do you know what I have a problem with though? Is like Tony's Tony very smart. McGree he didn't bite me. Awesome is. You're one of the more powerful Avengers, and you think you should go help the god, not one of the people yeah. who could definitely use your help because they are human and bleed?
0: <laughs> or, or even some citizens of New York. Or citizens! Maybe citizens.
2: <laughs> right. But he just wants to, like, play Black Sabbath super loud and nuke some Chitauri uh, <laughs> chariots out there with Hulk, because that'll be more fun and epic.
1: Well, it will be epic, and it is all about the story. For Tony, right? That's legendary. Yes. Gives him something to talk about at parties. If New York survives, uh, and without helping Hawkeye, we do get a Hawkeye hero move later, which is very exciting. You're right? Had he been helped, yeah, then we That's would have true. we would have less of an opportunity for hero move.
2: Couldn't do the hero move, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Bring bring your compatriots' waters or juice boxes. Like <laughs> fighting is hard. Again, Nat is exhausted. She could use. She could
0: definitely something. use a juice box. Okay, now I really want to see one of these panels on his suit open up to reveal it's actually the juice box refrigerator. The juice box panel. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just machine gunning Capri Suns at his team.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, if that doesn't uh, come to exist in some form mm-hmm. one of these days, I just don't know. I'm actually surprised Capri
1: Sun didn't come up with something like that for some right. sort of brand partnership that would have been outstanding.
2: I feel like uh, that could be in a Brian Michael Bendis yes. panel, but that doesn't feel
1: <laughs> out of place. Not at all. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, that's, that is Tony and Hawkeye. That, and that does leave it, lead us to this Leviathan that is flying down Park Avenue. And, uh, you know, I was curious about this Leviathan because for some reason, this Leviathan of the Leviathans that we've seen so far, which has only been two, uh, has decided instead of just flying, uh, lackadaisically up and down the, the avenues and streets of New York, it has decided to fly into the building. And I, I guess I was a little surprised that, this one decided that that's what it was going to do because we haven't seen that before. I mean, I guess there's no reason it can't do that. But it did pique my curiosity about these Leviathans and like what their motivations are. And it was actually interesting in the Art of Avengers book, I saw something in there about how they're like kind of like the Chitari where they have all this biomech attached to their bodies. And it sounded like they're being controlled by this mech, mm. which made it sound like they're actually. I don't know if they're just, you know, like actual worms that just don't have the intelligence to make these sorts of decisions, or if, sadly, they're like slaves and being forced to do all of this and yeah. are really upset about the fact that they have to be doing all of these things.
1: You're saying somebody is steering the, the worm into the building. Yeah,
0: That is a horrible thing. Space dune. Right, right. Yeah. Is there some, like, Chitauri, <laughs> uh pilot up in the yeah. Chitari ship? through the portal that is actually just playing its own version of Galaga that is actually (laughs) like Leviathan through the city.
1: See, now I, that's not how I, how I read the scene because it was, the way it's cut, the Leviathan turns its head toward the building. And then we immediately go to the opposite angle where we hear commotion from the far end of the building. And I thought maybe the Leviathan was just turning its head because it heard Hulk's destruction. And it wanted to see what was what. It might not have actually run into the building at all. It might have just been the big Godzilla eye, like, peeking through a window, right? Maybe it just wanted to see what was going on.
0: That also speaks to my other question was, could this leviathan stop? Like, is it like a shark where it has to keep moving? moving. Like, could it just stop and hover and stare at the people? Like, maybe it's like a whale shark and it's actually kind. And it just wants to look at all these people and... Uh, but everyone else just assumes it's violent and just wants to destroy it.
1: In some small way are we karate kidding this movie
0: that <laughs> like the
1: Avengers are this Please. horrible blight on the chitari? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, not speaking for the chitari, just the leviathan. <laughs> yeah, I mean the chitari
2: did show up and just start murdering people. So I don't know if you could like look at those <laughs> Avengers though. <laughs> but uh, maybe the space worm is that, that it's just yeah. a sad big old slug slave, yeah? <laughs> and and every time it's screaming, it's being like,
1: Help but me. it just
2: looks so toothy and angry that they don't know
0: that they think it's growling at them. Don't right.
1: judge me by my appearance. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: um, in this office, we have uh dozens of extras who. This this speaks to another, I guess by this point, I would say it's probably a trope. And it's kind of a sad trope of the everyman in these sorts of films. Like, what does the everyman need to do? They all need to stand by a window and watch what's going on until they're actually put in harm's way. Absolutely. Because, <laughs> yeah, if you saw this, you'd be running down those 60
2: stories. You wouldn't just be like, well, I'm going to wait to see what the spaceworm really wants. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, you could see... That at least lower to the ground is slightly safer.
0: Yeah, you might get glass on your head or something like that. But, you know, uh, as they say later, you know, get to the subways, get underground. It's like, right. yeah, I think I'll do that I'll, instead of like staying in a building where there's a giant, a giant worm flying outside.
1: Because at this point, you have to imagine giving them all the grace in the world. These people, these accountants and uh, attorneys. They would have heard the commotion of the earlier issues, yeah. the earlier worm, like all of this stuff. They would have seen this. Why did they not head toward the stairwells? I don't. Uh, yeah. There's no reason. Frozen in panic? Yeah, maybe. But it's entirely you think possible. New Yorkers post 9-11 would know where the stairwells are.
2: Yeah. That, that Okay. And I'm sure so much like the last half of this movie and, you know, every big superhero movie has like 9-11 iconography, but... Especially because we're in New York. I just kept being like, yeah, this is, I feel like, and it's, you don't want to show like pure trauma, but you think people's faces should be a little more horrified or like, I don't know, if you want to get dark, have one person
0: be like, not again. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Well, and we've. We've brought this up a number of times, like, why did they pick New York? Couldn't they have done L.A. or something? And they very, like, Feige very specifically wanted this to take place in New York. And it's just like, it was one of those things that I I did wonder, like, post 9-11, is this the sort of thing you want to have in New York, where you potentially have audience members who, you know, have PTSD when they're watching the film, because there's stuff like this happening. But it's it's so comical i guess that's the the way that right. they kind of get past it and as it's we've flashy said, and bright yeah and the whole you know, new york strong sort of vibe too that they're writing on
2: i think the five years after 9 11 you like all the roland Emmerich movies like just went away and, and of that elk it was no longer the best thing to watch uh all of our great uh monuments get yeah. Blasted. But then there, there is, yeah, so around 2007, 2008, everybody was like, you know what would make our movies feel more important? What if we just kept recreating 9 11? And then you see it happen <laughs> yeah. again and again yes. and again. Uh, and kind of particularly in superhero movies to the point where, like, that is, it's exhausting. And yeah. so when there are, like, the Sokovia Accords, it's like, I don't know. Points? Maybe there's points here? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the, the the worst offender is uh batman versus superman don versus justice yeah. Uh, where that just is Zack Snyder being like, look, what if I control 9 eleven? You yeah. can just see his hands doing it
1: totally, yeah. Yeah, totally, yeah. and and many of the lines in that movie where the actors actually question the level of violence uh, feel to be like improvisational responses to the script that they have been handed. Like, are we sure this is okay? <laughs> like, they expect yeah. somebody of authority to answer. <laughs> Anybody? Is there an adult <laughs> in the room? Nobody <laughs> has a problem with this,
0: well, right? Oh, my gosh. Um The building that the Leviathan is flying toward is 90 Park Avenue. Um, although, weirdly, when Hulk leaps out and grabs it, the next shot actually makes it look like it's the building across the street because we can see Stark Tower behind it, which would put it on the other side at 99 Park Avenue at that address. The geography through all of this is a little wonky. Like, sometimes, like, this this Leviathan is flying up one road, but then, like, when Hulk and Thor crash it, it somehow is suddenly back at Grand Central Terminal. It's like, how did it go this way? It was just heading a totally different direction. But it's like movies it's like watching bullet it's like you know you can't really trace steve mcqueen's yeah. drive through the city of uh, san francisco it's all done for movie purposes and to that end it's fine we just you know as long as we're not right. confused then it, it plays okay
2: recently uh I, mean, I just saw fast x or now a few months ago and for the listeners saw fast Sigh. x and there's the <laughs> the the ball the ball bomb is rolling through italy and my wife lived in italy for a bit and she's like there is no way it could have just taken a tour because Fast X treats Italy as if it's San Francisco. Where it's the hilliest city in the world. So, of course, this ball would just keep moving through yeah. the city. And it is, it's, in fact, pretty flat. There's not <laughs> a lot of hills in that town. I said Italy. I mean Rome, clearly. And, yeah, it's just what looks cool. We'll, well, we're here. Let's just keep getting back to Grand Central. Like, what what is the most cinematic part of the city? And, and if you don't live there or haven't been there.
0: You're like, oh, sure. That's probably what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the buildings, like the backgrounds, you know, we cut through a lot of shots where they've faked it in, in Cleveland anyway. So we're not even right. really seeing some New York buildings. Like, you couldn't even really trace this through actual buildings because a lot of it is just fictional. But. Mm mm-hmm. The um, all right, so we any any last thoughts with Hulk and this little bit with Hulk and the Leviathan? It's as it's steering steering question mark uh, steering it up a road. I'm not really sure what Hulk's motivations are, but uh, he grabs it and he's got it going down the road.
2: Well, we talked about because one of my last minutes a while back was a Hulk moment, and it's I maybe we danced around it we talked about a little is uh how much control does banner have because or if it's hulk how much control does hulk have as a separate entity because he now seems to know very much what to attack but he also he's impish he thinks it's hilarious to do some light property damage but he's not attacking the people where versions of hulk we've seen would just like clothesline all of those accountants and lawyers as he's running towards the big worm (laughs) right uh but he is he's and there's an intelligence here that it's like well Explain those other moments then, Hulk.
0: Yeah, we've talked about, like, the version of this film's Hulk and how we like the scary Hulk better than kind of the Hulk that can think a little bit. Like, it takes some of the the agency and interest away. Mm-hmm. But really, the shift happens in this film. Like, it really goes from that one scary scene where Hulk has no control and is nearly killing Natasha to suddenly, right. as soon as he changes later, he's, like, listening to Cap, and he's, like, doing what he's told. It's like, it, it is a real shift, and it's all in the film.
2: It, I, I wonder, because in the the previous one, he does not control his change he just shows up and then this one he goes that's my secret cap i'm always angry right great line that's and the then line. changes so I, I wonder if he's like he's learning if somebody forces him into hulk mode he's not in control but if he it's his decision then he i don't know
1: oh that's some interesting armchairing because that does explain <laughs> like when he is making like that line is the line that bugs me when he says it's great line that's my secret i'm always angry Yeah, Absolutely a wonderful line that reads well on screen. And also, he's saying that line while he's changing. At what point does Hulk take over and prevent him from being able to speak in coherent sentences? Because that's the, that is the gray area, and we get him lucid through the gray area. Lucid
0: enough to maintain his choice to, actually. Because earlier, when he changes, it's definitely not portrayed as a choice. Uh, I mean, I suppose there could be some argument in the fact that Natasha is talking to him and and says some things that trigger him and maybe that he lets go and lets the anger take him, but still it's it really isn't depicted as like I'm choosing to go angry and and now this is what's going to happen. And so yeah, I mean, I suppose there is a way to read it that way, but boy, yeah, I mean, we really do have to stretch in one way or the other to make any of it really come together properly you know yeah
2: and that's just the history of the hulk right yeah in any medium it's gonna be like i don't know what does the creator feel like doing with him right now yeah Mm, (laughs) don't pay attention too much
0: yeah right 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 well, we leave Hulk and we're back on the streets in front of Grand Central Terminal and we we find Natasha, she is fighting a Chitari here and now this is the moment we finally get to see her use the Black Widow's bite, which is those uh, electrical shock um, armatures that she has and she uh, sticks it into the Chitari's throat and electrocutes it. But I do wonder if she's actually wrapped her body around this Chitari and it is where it's covered in metal armor. And she does this, would she be affected it, at all?
1: She's wearing a rubber suit.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: of course. And that's, yeah, and that's why she's so sweaty entirely. It does not breathe <laughs> well, her <laughs> Black Widow
1: suit. That's right. oh my God, she loses so it much is weight. She's One day, she's just shedding calories, constantly dehydrated. She's real, she's just a real horrible life being a uh, Black Widow. But, she does not self-electrocute. Yes, yeah, that's that's what's important.
2: Cost benefit.
1: Do yeah. you I mean do what's our general vibe on the Black Widow's bite? Like what what do we think of it?
2: It's it feels like Ellie in the movies she uses a lot more in the comics, right? The movies are like,
1: I guess it'll Bracelets. look cool sometimes, but yeah. why
2: would you use it
0: all of the time? <laughs> like yeah, Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's I I feel like this is this did she, she never used it in Iron Man 2?
1: She didn't. And she didn't use it in the hallway fight.
0: Uh, we do see them in Iron Man too, but I'm just trying to remember if she ever used them in the when she's breaking into Hammer.
1: I don't think she did. I really don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think we would have talked about it. We absolutely,
1: I'm sure we would have talked about it. Well,
0: or Kyle and Rob would have. They might have. Right.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: I, um, I just can't remember if, um, let's see, she equips her bracelets to help in the fight. In Iron Man 2, is what the Marvel wiki says. So we see her put them on, but we don't actually see her use them. That's it.
1: <laughs> I think that's, I, I, you know, I mean, insofar as the, the joke we get with Hawkeye is that he's an archer with a limited number of arrows against an unlimited number, unlimited, yeah, I'm doing great, an unlimited number of foes, right? That's the joke. Right and i feel like this is her joke like she is a human who breathes hard when she works out and also she has these little electrical bracelets that <laughs> kind of are probably going to run out of charge she has to be really really careful when she uses them and they're just anemic for the purpose and that i guess to me is her joke they've always seemed underpowered for what she does in the mcu and i i just wonder why like, obviously, she's great with firearms, too. So that's that's a good thing. She has that. But this little addition, I I, I think why they don't have her use them more often is because they're sort of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I
2: guess, yeah, if she's great at firearms. So this is her last... This is your fixed bayonets moment. If you're yeah, using the yeah. thing, that means the enemy is in your face. It is... I just don't want to
1: die right now. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Right.
0: I'm looking at its capabilities on the wiki. The, I mean... Other than electrocution, it does have a grappling hook. It does have taser discs what? that she can shoot from it. It has the taser batons that we'll see her use in, I think, Sokovia, I believe. Um, it actually has electrical blasts, and it has a garrote that she can use to strangle. Oh, or block she does. Those yeah, opponents. that's right. That's yeah, right. So, so there are a number of additional elements within it, but at this point, we just haven't seen the additional uses yet. Um, okay,
1: yeah. then uh, that poses an additional question. Why the hell have we not seen more fun stuff coming out of her wrists?
0: Well, according to the wiki, they just haven't been invented yet. Tony hasn't <laughs> upgraded them. <laughs> ah, yeah. oh, Tony. Tony Tony upgrades sure. it uh, before uh, Ultron is when she gets... That's the one where her whole suit lights up. She gets the lighting and her suit and everything that ties into it.
1: Wow. Okay. Uh, okay. All right.
0: Yeah. Uh, regardless. Well, we'll figure that out in a few years. I, yeah. I still think that it's uh They could have done a little bit more with her with it, but yeah. But hey, it works on the Chitari and then she gets its uh, its staff and and blasts it. So awesome, I guess. I guess <laughs> now we have a staff.
2: Yeah, it it shows she has uh, what's that? Feet in Dungeons and Dragons, improvised weapons. She can just grab whatever she needs. (laughs) She can. That's right.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. She she rolled a D seventeen or higher for this one. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right, right. Uh, This, but I mean, as we were saying earlier, um, you know, I think you mentioned this, Mike. This is really that moment where you get that human avenger here you know she looks exhausted she's got uh, a bloody forehead a bloody lip she kind of leans back on the cab or something and uh just kind of like she clearly looks exhausted you know we'll see steve look exhausted a little bit later in the film after he saves all those people from the bank but i don't think it's the same sort of exhaustion i think that's just like Kind of like battle fatigue, like the, they just don't stop coming, and all right. of the damage and look hopelessness. At, look, exactly, her like this is just physical exhaustion at this point.
2: Right, I might puke. I need an orange <laughs> slice. Uh, and I, I love if if you've ever been exhausted after a hard workout, and somebody who's better than you, like if you're doing a race and somebody's clearly better, you rolls up, you fucking <laughs> hate them, and it looks like she when Steve runs up, he's like, hey, do you, I feel like you could see a glimmer of that in Widow's Eye, like shut up, yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: totally. Although it's great, is and this is what I do really enjoy about. Uh, Natasha, is that when she's in the sick bay with Clint, and she is the one who's just like, we have to go stop him. And right. he's just like, uh, you know, I mean, he doesn't say it, but it's like, you're, you're just a human. You can't, you know, what are you going to do to stop this guy? But this is her because she's exhausted. She's probably irritated with Steve for having so much energy. Yet, this is that moment where she comes up with an idea like we need to do something else to close this portal and gets the idea to jump up and catch a chariot and and take it up to the top of the building to kind of figure out a plan and that's what why i think that she's a great character because she has moments like this and even though she's exhausted she's still going to go through with all this
2: right this is this is her version of uh, steve's i could do this all day or carol's standing up over and over again every time she falls in in captain marvel and uh, even with that, it's not just like, oh, I'll steal this chariot. She's the one who sees, she's like, oh, they're going to see big guns coming. Maybe we need to think smaller. And that's, I mean, that that's a through line throughout the MCU with Widow seeing around the problem, being like, I don't need to lift that hammer. That's not a contest I need to. And it's just always that. She just sees different from everybody because of her background and size and gender. And so she'll always think smarter.
0: It's an interesting parallel to Steve in some ways, because coming from somebody who had been the small, scrawny one and still kind of thinks that way sometimes, Mm -hmm. there is an interesting um, through line where she's kind of like that version of Steve who just never ended up getting a super soldier serum, but got trained to actually do a lot of things.
1: Yeah. One of the things I like about this transition is even even in so far as she recognizes he his game is superior to hers in terms of just physical prowess. The fact is, he still looks beaten to me like it's just it, it they he plays it so well. He plays it mm. human that, you know, not he's, he's not playing it Thor. Right. Uh, uh, or Tony, who is so augmented like he, i I like that point, Andy, because I feel like you do get a sense the way. Uh, evans plays this character that he remembers his smallness
0: it's still very apparent i that works that plays i feel like i get that from chris evans a lot in his role like i feel like as an actor playing this particular superhero there always is this side of him who remembers that little guy and i just i feel like i see it in his performance throughout
2: oh yeah and i i love that because that is because i i know no there's People will be critical, be like, oh, well, if you're that strong, why would you even worry about? But like, what happens in your formative years uh, sticks with you no matter what else changes throughout life. Like middle school, high school is going to just really traumatize and lock in. And that is how you're always going to deal with the world at like a core level. Yeah.
0: I mentioned we do get a couple of those uh, directorial snap zooms in here. One is the shot of the Leviathan as it kind of rounds the corner. And we kind of snap zoom, refocus, find Hulk on its uh, tooth. The other one is here as uh, Steve and Natasha are chatting about kind of trying to figure out a plan. And it comes as Steve kind of looks down the road toward the uh, Grand Central Terminal. And at the end of the viaduct, he sees more and more chitari kind of landing there, just showing like this isn't going to end anytime soon. But again, it's another of those funky little snap zooms that, uh, you know, all kind of started back in the... Um, with this director back in, I think it was around Firefly, and it certainly has been a tool. Do you like this technique, Mike, these kind of like almost a documentary style, like snap zoom on the action and then refocus?
2: that's what I was going to say. It feels, it feels very like lifting tools from docs to, to make it feel more real and lived in. And I think with this kind of fantasy level, it it helps that it helps put us in it a little more like, Oh, I can't, I don't even know what's happening, even though I controlled all of this with ones and zeros. Uh, And I think it it tricks the viewer's brain into forgetting all that stuff and making it feel like, Oh no, I got to find the Hulk. And yeah, I I think it it is a, uh, it's a good, it's a good cheat uh, that is used. I think, just judiciously enough in this movie.
0: Yeah, I was talking to another, um, one of our listeners about this technique, and we were trying to figure out when did it start. Actually, I think uh, Travis brought it up on on uh, in our Facebook group, because um, he mentioned that it was in Star Wars Attack of the Clones, which I had forgotten, but sure enough, right oh, at mm-hmm. the end there, um, in the fight, um, we see, have a crash zoom in on one of the, of uh, the clone carriers, I believe, or the troop carriers um and uh, and he was thinking like, "Is this the first one and I was digging around, and it actually looked like Firefly, which came out earlier the same year, actually is where it started again, all with Tignataro and kind of the the storytelling style, but that's it's really kind of where all of that began, and it was so prominent in Battlestar Galactica, and really just kind of became a tool that a lot of people used. Um I don't know if I see it quite as much nowadays but it certainly was used for a good decade plus.
2: The early odds Friday Night Lights
1: I think both the movie and the show
2: did it a lot and in uh Peter Bird all loved scenes. it
0: for sure. And
1: and it does work for sports, right? Like yeah. it yeah, it yeah. does play. Um I it was Battlestar Galactica that it was that's where I would have gone with it um uh, immediately just because that
0: style defined
1: the action in that show for, you know,
0: years yeah that's where i would have said it was from yeah um had it not been for kind of like doing some digging yeah uh, but yeah sure enough it it all stemmed from firefly well we do end this minute uh, with natasha gearing up to uh to get her boost using uh cap shields um and that's pretty much where the minute ends any last thoughts about anything going on here from either of you
2: just anytime there's a hint at something like a fastball special I'm going to love it. And that is what the, that is this version for sure. That's about to happen. Yeah. Right. That a future guest gets to talk. about.
0: <laughs> hey, that's okay. Uh, the next time we're going to be chatting with you, it's going to be a pretty special minute. So definitely looking yes. forward to that one. So, all right, well, tell everybody uh, once again about your podcast and what you're doing out there on the, uh, the internet, Mike.
2: Yeah. You can find me a couple of ways. If you like movies, check out movie of the year each season, we tackle a different year. We build a giant bracket to find the best slash most definitive movie of that year. We just wrapped up 2002. And I, th- I don't know if this is exclusive or not, but we're jumping into 1973. So we're going back a few decades. And movies, I got to tell you guys, and you probably know, drastically different in the early 70s <laughs> than in the early 2000s. <laughs> uh, and oh, man. Do you have highlights uh, already? I'm excited. Highlights? Yeah. Movies?
1: Yeah, movies. Uh, you do Westworld? Yeah.
2: Where, where I currently am in real life. Uh, we have not recorded the the initial episode is when we figure out we take 64 movies down to the eight we'll watch. You
1: haven't even determined the movies yet. I have not even determined the movies. Oh, for crying out loud. Okay.
2: Um, it's not my season. I hosted 2002 and oh. so 73. I just get to show up as a
1: panelist. Nice. Nice, nice. Compete. Nice. Oh, that's perfect.
2: Uh, and if you're like, no, I want more nerd stuff. Uh, check out the superhero show show. Uh, and that is every week we watch and review every single live action TV show based on comics. Uh, right now, I'd say the standouts are flash-ended, so that is amazing, because uh, that show was awful. And American Born Chinese is delightful. So good, so different. If you haven't checked it out,
1: please do. I Saw the first trailer for it, things. and it, yeah. it does. It looks extraordinary. It looks really beautiful.
2: It hits all the high school stuff you might want to have, like a high school soapy thing. It hits the, the, the wuxia-type action. is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's sweet.
0: That is awesome. Very cool. Well, we'll have the links in the show notes, everybody. So check those out. And if you're not seeing them in your podcatcher, just remember you can go to our website, marvelmovieminute.com, and you can get them all there. And you can also uh, find out about membership for the show over there, marvelmovieminute.com, where you can uh, get ad-free early episodes, plus bonus episodes, all that good stuff. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with a different guest for Minute 117. So, Pete, thanks as always
1: i can't wait for tomorrow andy where we talk to james anderson and colin parker about what mike gravano would have said had he been able it's to talk them? about this minute
2: <laughs> that makes me so much more angrier that it's freaking james and colin <laughs> tell them i miss them
0: oh uh, we will until next time true believers